Welcome or welcome back. Today we savor the words of Oscar Wilde. Last episode's poem by Longfellow, Psalm of Life, was pretty serious, so today we're going to lighten the mood with a fun and salty snack that suits the season. AJ, what season is it? Mom, it's hot. 104 degrees for 70 days straight in Texas. Obviously summer. It is summer, but it's also wedding season. So what better literary text to read than the funniest engagement scene of all time? It may help us forget that we are melting. Someone once said, we read to know we are not alone, but it's really hard to read when so many other things compete for our attention. No wonder sometimes we end up feeling alone. To read a really great piece of literature is to know that someone understands me the way I am and the way I feel. When I encounter that poem, play, or short story, I have a friend. It's that brownie fudge sundae, but healthier, as gooey as that melted cheese sandwich you can taste right now if it's almost lunchtime. Literature is comfort, and here you just might find a friend for life. I'm Jody, and I teach college English. I love sharing important pieces of literature with my students, and we want to share them with you. And I'm Andrew. I've been reading my whole life, too, and I'm starting in the ninth grade. Reading is one of my favorite subjects. Here, you'll find more literature, less commentary. More text, less talk. In this excerpt from The Importance of Being Earnest, Algernon is pretending to be Jack's fictional brother, Ernest, in order to meet his friend's beautiful young ward, Cecily. I won't go into all the details of the Ernest fiction, but it's enough here to say, it's complicated. AJ, you be Algy, and I'll play Cecily. I hope, Cecily, I shall not offend you if I state quite frankly and openly that you seem to me to be in every way the visible personification of absolute perfection. I think your frankness does you great credit, Ernest. If you will allow me, I will copy your remarks into my diary. Do you really keep a diary? I'd give anything to look at it. May I? Oh, no. You see... It is simply a very young girl's record of her own thoughts and impressions, and consequently, meant for publication. When it appears in volume form, I hope you will order a copy. But pray, Ernest, don't stop. I delight in taking down from dictation. I have reached absolute perfection. You can go on. I am quite ready for more. Ahem, ahem. Oh, don't cough, Ernest. When one is dictating, one should speak fluently and not cough. Besides, I don't know how to spell a... <clears throat> Cicely, ever since I first looked upon your wonderful and incomparable beauty, I've dared to love you wildly, passionately, devotedly, hopelessly. I don't think that you should tell me that you love me wildly, passionately, devotedly, hopelessly. Hopelessly doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? Cecily... Uncle Jack would be very much annoyed if he knew you were staying on till next week at the same hour. Oh, I don't care about Jack. I don't care for anybody in the whole world but you. I love you, Cecily. You will marry me, won't you? You silly boy. Of course. Why, we have been engaged for the last three months. For the last three months? Yes. It will be exactly three months on Thursday. But how did we become engaged? Well, ever since dear Uncle Jack first confessed to us that he had a younger brother who was very wicked and bad, you, of course, have formed the chief topic of conversation between myself and Miss Prism. And, of course, a man who is much talked about is always very attractive, 
one feels there must be something in him after all. I dare say it was very foolish of me, but I fell in love with you, Ernest. Darling, and when was the engagement actually settled? On the 14th of February last, worn out by your entire ignorance of my existence, I determined to end the matter one way or the other, and after a long struggle with myself, I accepted you under this dear old tree here. The next day, I bought this little ring in your name, and this is the little bangle with the true lover's knot I promised you always to wear. Did I give you this? It's very pretty, isn't it? Yes, you've wonderfully good taste, Ernest. It's the excuse I've always given you for your leading such a bad life. And this is the box in which I keep all your dear letters. My letters? But my own sweet Cecily, I've never written you any letters. You need hardly remind me of that, Ernest. I remember only too well that I was forced to write your letters for you. I wrote always three times a week, and sometimes oftener. Oh, do let me read them, Cecily. Oh, I couldn't possibly. They would make you far too conceited. The three you wrote me after I had broken off our engagement are so beautiful and so badly spelled that even now I can hardly read them without crying a little. But was our engagement ever broken off? Of course it was, on the 22nd of last March. You can see the entry if you like. Today I broke off my engagement with Ernest. I feel it is better to do so. The weather still continues charming. But why on earth did he break it off? What had I done? I had done nothing at all. Cecily, I am very much hurt indeed to hear you broke it off, particularly when the weather was so charming. It would hardly have been a really serious engagement if it hadn't been broken off at least once. But I forgave you before the week was out. What a perfect angel you are, Cecily. You dear romantic boy. I hope your hair curls naturally, does it? Yes, darling, with a little help from others. I am so glad. You'll never break off our engagement again, Cecily. I don't think I could break it off now that I have actually met you. Besides, of course, there is the question of your name. Yes, uh, of course. You must not laugh at me, darling, but it had always been a girlish dream of mine to love someone whose name was Ernest. There is something in that name that seems to inspire absolute confidence. I pity any poor married woman whose husband is not called Ernest. But my dear child, do you mean to say that you could not love me if I had some other name? But, but what name? Oh, any name you like. Algernon, for instance. But I don't like the name of Algernon. Well, my own dear, sweet, loving little darling, I really can't see why you should object to the name of Algernon. It is not at all a bad name. In fact, it is rather an arist aristocratic name. Half of the chaps who get into the bankruptcy court are called Algernon. But seriously, Cecily, if my name was Algy, wouldn't you love me? I might respect you, Ernest. I might admire your character, but I fear that I should not be able to give you my undivided attention. Ahem, <clears throat> Cecily. Your rector here is, I suppose, thoroughly experienced in the practice of all the rites and ceremonials of the church. Oh, yes. Dr. Chasuble is a most learned man. He has never written a single book, so you can imagine how much he knows. I must see him at once on a most important christening. I mean, on most important business. Oh. I shan't be away more than half an hour. Considering that we have been engaged since February the 14th, and that I only met you today for the first time. I think it is rather hard that you should leave me for so long a period as half an hour. 
Couldn't you make it 20 minutes? I'll be back in no time. What an impetuous boy he is. I like his hair so much. I must enter his proposal in my diary. A while ago, I think we saw that movie. I remember that too. It's a great movie. Reese Witherspoon with Cecily in that version. You were really young when you saw it, so I'm surprised you remember. Well, this excerpt certainly was a less serious text than the poem from our first episode. A little relief from some te- serious Texas heat. I love Cecily's character. She's so funny, and although Algernon's character is quite questionable in the play, I love that he plays along with her fictional proposal, encounters with a real one. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you come back to hear the next one.